Okay, so welcome everybody to the first episode of our podcast series of the SESEC. My name is Robert Hudek and I'm together here with... Paolo Paladini. Yeah, and the two of us, we will uh, introduce you to this SESEC series of podcasts, which is a collection of very interesting papers which have been selected from the EDCOM of the SESEC. And yeah, we will present them to you. Paolo, what do you think? Oh, it was an interesting, uh, interesting project because we we had all the best papers uh, coming from the last uh, virtual congress of Poznan, and uh, we decided through the headcom to have uh, uh, the two best, the two better, the two best uh, abstract were a candidate for uh, uh, this kind of speech, and so we are going through this abstract to to comment with you this kind of uh, project to comment with you this. Uh, this abstract and after you have the opportunity to, to listen to the speech with the authors of the abstract and with some expert of this uh, uh, topic just to have a discussion just to go uh, deep in the in the topic so we think it's an interesting thing to hear and we were also very amazed by all the additional information we got from these interviews and um we can actually start to jump in with our first interview we had, and it's about radial head prosthesis in acute fracture settings. Paolo, this the, okay. the title the title of the series is uh, a radial head arthroplasties for acute complex elbow instability, um, and it was a prospective long term comparative cohort study, and they tested two designs. So. Uh, what 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 was the background background of it? Oh, it was an interesting paper because uh, they uh, they made a question that all we have, which is the best uh, radial head replacement that we, that we can have after fracture, and they they have an essay between two different kind of prosthesis. That one with press fit radial head system and the loose fit metallic spacer, and so they try to understand which one is the best uh, between these two kind of different devices. And it was really interesting because they have uh, a very huge amount of patient. Uh, we are uh, quite uh, 100 patient and they made uh, this, uh, this um, they made this uh, prosthesis, they made this operation in, uh, in a very long time. And so we have a very, a very accurate, uh, a very accurate uh, paper and uh, it was uh, really interesting, even for the different, the different uh, uh, people and the different uh, uh, cohort of uh, fracture that they use it for. Yeah, there were. I, I think it was almost five years of follow-up, and um, yeah, hundred patients. That's a lot for five years followed up, and they had thirty-seven terrible triads, thirty-three isolated fractures with um, instability and. 28 with additional erectile and fractures. And they did radiographs. They did the MAPS, the Mayo Elbow Performance Score. They tested for pain and satisfaction with a visual analog scale. And they compared the radiographs for loosening, bone loss, and overstuffing. And um, interestingly, the results showed that eight patients with the anatomic press fit system were revised, whereas only one patient with a spacer was revised during that mean follow-up of five years. 
and there were no significant differences between both groups. So the motion was equal, pain relief was equal, but patients with the spacer, the loose philosophy of radial head prosthesis, reported to have more satisfaction in comparison to the other group. So at the end, the results were not really different, but eight versus one, I found that pretty interesting. And they concluded that both designs provide good clinical outcomes, but the anatomic press fit has a higher revision rate in comparison to the other one. And it had more radiographic changes that warrant continued follow-up, the author's right. So, Pauli, what do you think? Shall we jump into the interview and look oh, what they report? Of course, we will have a lot of uh, answer from this uh, interview. But I think that it's really interesting that the, the, the results are quite the same. But uh, the, the changing, the real changing is uh, a, among the complications of this uh, kind of prosthesis, of the sequelae. And you'll see that uh, the, the rate of uh, uh, revision is really different between the two kinds of prosthesis. And I think that this can uh, it is allow us to, to think about this. We can have the same results. We can have a little bit more movement for the uh, loose fit uh, prosthesis, uh, and uh, we have less uh, revision rate. So I think that we can understand if there are something else that can give some bias for this kind of results. If there is no bias that can lead to this kind of results, maybe we have to consider that anatomical implants are not the best, are not the standard for this kind of fracture. Okay, Paolo, so I think let's jump into the interview and listen to what the authors do have to tell us. I'm very happy to introduce the two uh, authors of these of this study, which are here tonight with us, which is Samuel Antunia and Blanca Diaz, both from the University Hospital of La Paz in Spain. And uh, I have a special guest here with me today, which is Davide Blona from the Università degli Studi di Torino in Italy. And he will uh, join our interview as our elbow expert. And um, let me just start, um, just give them maybe the opportunity to give us a, a deep comprehensive report on the study you have made. Well, let, let me just first of all introduce you to Blanca. Blanca is just graduated from medical school. She, uh, this work was uh, her basically master for her degree. Um, she's obviously not an elbow surgeon, but she probably knows more than I do about the mythology, methodology oh, of, the, of the project. And, you're and being very kind. So she, she examined all the patients. So the reason for the study is, is the following. Um, as you, as you all know, um, radial head fractures is something that we have not sorted out well yet. Um, we don't know if the fracture is very complex, what we need to do. If we, if we need to fix them, like you guys do in Germany, whatever the fracture fragments are, if we have to remove it, as we tend to do here in Spain, or if we replace it, as they tend to do in the North American Canada. And we have figured out basically that if there is elbow instability together with the fracture, um, we should not remove the rail head. So we either fix it or replace it. 
my personal experience with fixation of complex fracture is very poor, so I, I stopped doing that. And whenever I feel the fracture is very complicated and there is associated instability, I go for the arthroplasty. But the second question that is, has never been answered is which system is better? Uh, is there a, a better radial head? Is an ideal radial head implant to use? And we just started thinking about this long ago, more than 10 years ago. Um, but in 2007, we started uh, this study. Um, it's not randomized because there are six surgeons involved in the treating of these patients. And, and the way we, we chose with, with implant, which implant we were using was basically a surgeon's preference. So in that sense, it's, that's one of the limitations of the study. But we wanted to figure out which of these two implants, which are probably one of the most used philosophies around the world, whether you use an anatomic fixed implant or a spacer, works better. And um, we have followed these patients until uh, 2017. And what uh, Blanca has done has been uh, compiled all the information. This study is not finished because the radiological study is not yet finished. But all these patients have been individually examined by us and all these records with the, the scores that we used, etc. So we try to answer one question, which is, if you decide to use a railhead implant, which implant is better? Okay. <laughs> Maybe an ambitious question, but that was okay. the purpose. So, I mean, the, the, the study uh, looks to, to be a great study, but I think that the, the data could have a so big impact in our clinical practice. I think that we have to discuss further about potential bias, okay? So, the majority of my question is about potential bias. So, the first one is... Uh, uh, about the decision. I want you to, to get some details about the preference of the surgeons and their skill. I mean, maybe Antuna, you have a, a, a long year of experience of, with radiohead replacement, and maybe you use them now the majority of the time as spacer. So maybe your skill had influenced the outcome. Or maybe in the at the beginning of your experience, you use the anatomical stand that maybe that could affect the outcome. What do you think? There can be some kind of bias, selection bias related to the to the skill of the surgeon, or you think that overall this this um, does not affect the, the the quality of your report? Yeah, actually, that is a that is a very I think it's a very good question, and, and I'm not sure I have a, a clear answer for, uh, for, to be honest with you, to be absolutely sure that there is no bias. There is no bias in terms that there are six surgeons using these implants in these 10 years, only six, nobody else. All are a kind of experienced surgeons in upper limb trauma. Obviously, there may be a little bit more experience than the others, but all of them have used both implants. I have I, I don't have the numbers and probably before we get this into publication we should uh, find out that but I would say that uh, in the early years I was using 50 and 50 the Acumed and the Evolve 
later on because of my sense that it was simpler and the outcomes were not greatly different, I almost converted into a Volt 100%. But the rest of the team, they still use the Acumet occasionally and occasionally the Volt. So, so probably I would say that there is not a huge bias because this both implants have been used and up to 2017. I would say I have a personal bias because my personal experience has inclined me towards the evolve because I had some problems with the Acumet that I didn't like. Uh, but the rest of the team have used both. So if there is a bias, it may be personal in my mind, but it, it would not be in numbers. It would not be in numbers. So um, in, in the results, you have eight revisions of the Acumet and only one for the Evolve. So this is only 2% versus 17.4%. Did you quit using the Acumet? Well, I, I personally have. I personally have. Um, I must say that 100% of my radar heads right now are spacers. Uh, but I, I must say that there are still... Uh, surgeons in my group that use the Acumet, I'm, I'm okay with that. And Blanca has, um, she may want to comment on this, but she has seen many patients with the Acumet implant that they were just doing fantastic. Is that right? Yeah, it is right. So, so I, I, I personally have not done an Acumet for may, maybe three years now, maybe four, but we still use it in the in our in our department. Okay, so. Um, you show that the patient with the spacer had a better flexion and a better satisfaction. Uh, how can, why do you think they have a better flexion? Because maybe the spacer can accommodate a little bit during flexion or maybe during pronation and supination. And why you feel that patient feel better? Because they don't have kind of minor symptoms related to uh, some erosion around the stem that usually we, we saw after the anatomical uh, stem? Yeah, we also discussed that because the, uh, something that I can tell you is that the statistics are really good. I mean, we, we spoke with, uh, with a stat statistician of the hospital. She's uh, he's, uh, awesome. And we, we have done a very meticulous statistical exam. Um, answering the first question, Davide, is um, why do they get more flexion? I, I don't know. Uh, this is just a number. I have no clue. Uh, it could very well be that if you, if you place your acumen implant not right, uh, that may, may limit your flexion. And as you very well said, because the loose stem moves inside the, the diaphysis, it can even bend a little bit inside and allow some more flexion. Or it may be that it's an anecdotal uh, outcome, and if we do 100 more cases, this would not replicate. Regarding satisfaction, I think the satisfaction number was better in the uh, VAS scale, because the eight patients that had the Acumet implant removed, had a very low satisfaction number. Is that right? Yeah, Blanca? it is. The so, difference was, was significant in that. So those very low numbers in the revision cases probably dropped down the average number for, for the Acumet. So you, you think that if you implant a, a well-fixed anatomical stem, 
and you don't have to remove that for any complication, probably the satisfaction rate will be more or less the same between the two groups. Uh, yeah, Blanca, I, I see. Yes, I think, I mean, yes, the patients that were satisfied with the acumen were really satisfied. So. Yes, as satisfied as the whole group. They gave much importance to movement and they both showed similar pain rates, so they were satisfied. Yeah, that, that's very interesting, which leads us somehow to the question, well, it seems like the Acumet is a little bit more difficult to implant and there's more technical barriers to, to jump over when implanting the Acumet. Is that right? Yeah, that's for yes. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, um, any, anybody can do an, uh, an Evolve, right? Because the only thing you have to pay attention to is the size of the head and the, and, and the, and the length of the neck. It's, it's a space, maybe it does nothing, you know? We don't know. Maybe it's the same as removing the radar head once the ligaments heal. Uh, and I have asked this question to the designer, Graham Kim, very good friend of us, and, and he, he smiles, you know? We don't know. It performs well. The Acumet requires perfect rotation, per, perfect press fit, and at the beginning, when we're starting with this implant, we were kind of uh, chicken out with the, with the implantation of the, of the stem. And we may have implanted some of these stems too small, and then they, in fact, some of them became loose. Um, uh, and now they are teaching us that we should impact it very strong, even creating a crack into the neck of the, of the proximal radius. Um, and with that, then you get the stress shielding. So I think it's technically more difficult because the philosophy of the implant is very ambitious. But if you get the spot right, then these patients will do very well. Okay, that sounds, okay. That sounds pretty interesting. Davide, what, what do you think about these two implants? I mean, I've started my, my career with uh, Acumen, with uh, a press fit. But uh, I'm agree with uh, Samuel, it's very, very difficult to achieve a good press fit. Because uh, in the majority, I mean, I think in more than 50% of the patient, you need a stem that or is a little bit bigger or a little bit lesser than you have that. Because the problem of the proximal radius is that there is no cancellous bone. So you have only one, uh, one right stem for that particular radius. But sometimes you don't have that because there are no half uh, measure. So uh, sometimes I crack the proximal radius more than more than one, to be honest with you. And of course, uh, the Driscoll to that, that is not a big deal if you crack the, the shaft, but that was a biomechanical study. We don't know the, the clinical effect on the cracks. So I think that that, that in long term can affect the stability of the plant. Then I change for for uh, not for my for my choice, but for a hospital choice to another uh, type of uh, design stem. And now I'm, I'm I mean the stem it's easier to be implanted, and I think my patients are, are happier now. But of course I don't know if now I'm achieving better result because my skill is 
of course, better than they were, they were like 10 years ago, or maybe because the implant is uh, truly can, can give uh, really benefit to, to the patient. But generally thinking, I completely agree with Antuna. Acumen is a, a very well-designed uh, stem, but it's very difficult to put it right. So you can have some patients that are unsatisfied for that reason. I have another question for, um, for uh, both the authors. From the statistical point of view, you say that the radiolucency around the breastfeed stem uh, does not affect the outcome. But then you say that you have to remove some loose stem. How can you comment on that? Well, for us, it is important that this idea stays clear, that the loose and lies doesn't have the same meaning on both implants, because on the evolved one, as it is designed as a spacer, they are to be expected, and previous studies shows that a thin layer appears, but it, uh, it is stays stable and doesn't go farther. But on the Acumera, it is designed to get an integration on the bone. It may reflect um, a non-correct integration. So on our study, when we assess the results on the group of patients that keep the implant to the last follow-up, we, we find no differences on clinical outcomes, comparing groups with losing lines or not. But of course, they have an implication because they are one of the main reasons that that lead to to recent surgery. So for us, it is important that it is clear that when the implant goes fine and there are no complications and it is not required to be removed, um, they have no impact on clinical outcomes, but they may have an influence on 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 uh, recent surgery. Is it so, again, so again, what uh, this is another topic that we discussed when Blanca presented the outcome and said, well, loosened lines statistically do not have an implant on the score or an, an impact on this course. And I say, you may be wrong, you must be wrong. It's impossible because if they are loose, they, they must be clinically bad. But then we, we went to, to the statistician and, and she was right. Uh, the numbers show that even though there are some acumen implants that have loosened lines around, and again, we have to go deeper in this because we didn't have time to do a, a, a profound statist, uh, radio, radiological analysis. But what we found was that there are some acumen implants with loosened lines that are doing well. Uh, like that they become spacers. And this is very interesting as well. We have to look into those implants a little bit deeper. So if you, if you just count numbers, we could say, being honest, that having a loosened line around a acumen stem, statistically, that does not have a huge impact, impact overall the group. But obviously, some of these patients had to be removed because they had pain. Um, so it's a, tricky, it's a tricky statement that we have to to a little work on it a little bit before it gets uh, published. Well, okay. so all, all, all very interesting uh, topics. And um, so I think many questions have been answered and there's uh, still a lot of open questions. And I think uh, one very interesting topic is that what you talked right now, which is the loosening of the stem, 
which is maybe even very good for the implant as we see in the Evolve. And maybe we will find out that all the radial head implants will get loose sooner or later and still will do well. So we're very interested what uh, you will find out. And I um, uh, uh, think that Blanca, you are going to follow up these patients further. Is that right? It is right. Yes. So I think we will hear more from your study group in Spain, which presented this very interesting study for us and which I think can help us to, um, to choose the right implant for radial head fractures. So thank you very much. Thank you very much for joining this uh, radio session. And um, yeah, we will, we will hear a lot from you guys in the future. So thank you very much. Thanks. Thank, Thank, you. You, Thank, Thank you, you, Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Thank you, Blanca. So this was the podcast for the paper Radial Head Arthroplasty for Acute Complex Elbow Instability, a prospective long-term comparative cohort study of two implant designs from the authors Samuel Antuna and Blanca Diaz from Spain and our guest Davide Blonna from Italy. I hope you enjoyed listening and I'm happy to hear you again for the next podcast from the Society of Shoulder and Elbow Surgery.